48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. Hong Kong's delegate to the NPC Standing Committee admits the SAR was caught unprepared by the latest COVID wave. There's a warning that the upsurge in coronavirus cases is still in its early stages and oversees hopes of a Biden-Putin summit as long as there's no Russian invasion of Ukraine. Hong Kong's deputy to the nation's top legislative body says the SAR government was not prepared for the latest COVID wave and its anti-pandemic measures have caused confusion but have not met people's needs. Kelly Yu has more. In an article for the Global Times tabloid, Tom Yu-Chong wrote that Hong Kong is in its toughest fight since the pandemic began two years ago. Mr. Tam, Hong Kong's sole deputy to the National People's Congress Standing Committee, said SAR officials had been unprepared for the sudden outbreak here. He said anti-pandemic measures had caused confusion yet had failed to keep up with people's needs. He cited long waiting time for virus tests and the shortage of isolation facilities as examples, adding that frontline staff and citizens are struggling every day and require support. Mr. Tam also called on local officials to seek advice from the mainland authorities when considering a citywide mass testing plan. The head of a laboratory conducting COVID-19 testing says the SAR will need thousands of technicians from the mainland if it is con- to conduct territory-wide testing. Anthony Wu says about 500 technicians work at his Fire Eye lab in Maanshan. He says that with enough manpower, Hong Kong can test two or three million people in a day, two or three times a week. A health expert says analysis of the current trend of infection suggests Hong Kong is still in the early stage of the outbreak and could see hundreds of thousands of new cases in the coming weeks. Karen Greppin, an associate professor at the University of Hong Kong School of Public Health, says whether or not infections peak in mid-March will depend on the measures taken by authorities. She says authorities need to scale up vaccinations, and she questioned why those who'd self-tested positive should still have to queue up for a PCR test to confirm their diagnosis. We know, for example, that the uh, testing system is completely overwhelmed. It's very difficult for people to actually go and get a PCR test at the moment. Um, but people could be testing positive using a rapid antigen test. So what are the protocols? You know, what, what should we do for that? And, and why is the priority that they still have to go out and get tested when we know they're positive at this point? An advisor to the Center for Health Protection says private hospitals can relieve pressure on the public system by taking in COVID patients. Edmund Lamb from the Scientific Committee on Vaccine Preventable Diseases said private institutions could convert general wards into negative pressure rooms in a week and take care of recovering COVID patients or those with mild symptoms. Speaking on an RTHK program, Lamb said the situation was urgent. From what I hear, many wards are quite vacant. Can we put these resources to good use? Temporary hospitals may take 10 days or two weeks to build, and the next two weeks are crucial. There'll be more and more patients. A decision should be made as soon as possible. If private hospitals don't take in COVID patients, they can see whether they can still take care of non-COVID patients as soon as possible to free up space in public hospitals. Officials said yesterday that they were in talks on cooperation with the private sector. However, the Private Hospitals Association says it won't be practical to take in COVID patients because of the risk of a manpower shortage if staff are deemed to be close contacts. Its chairman, William Ho, told RTHK that the hospital authority has given it a list of non-COVID patients private hospitals can help handle. Dr. Ho said private hospitals should be able to treat cancer patients and those with fractures soon. 
The Hong Kong deputy to the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference, Henry Tang, said he will not attend the annual session of the National Advisory Body in Beijing next month as his chauffeur has contracted COVID-19. A spokesman for Mr. Tang added that his two secretaries are also under quarantine after their family members tested positive for the coronavirus. Mr. Tang was in close contact with all three staff and will therefore not attend the session as a precaution. He said a rapid test had come back negative. A woman who put her cat into an operating washing machine and then filmed the animal for a post on social media has been sentenced to 80 hours of community service. Wong Yi Ting, a 29-year-old insurance manager, was convicted of animal cruelty at Tunmun Court. She was also ordered to pay the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals $27,000 for looking after her pet. In sentencing, the deputy magistrate Fung Lim Wai said the defendant had ignored the plight of the cat. However, he said the animal was not seriously injured, and he believed the defendant had learned her lesson. Turning overseas, U.S. President Joe Biden has agreed in principle to hold a summit with the Russian leader Vladimir Putin to discuss Ukraine. The agreement follows a day of feverish diplomatic activity by the French President Emmanuel Macron. Macron said the summit would only be held if Russia did not invade Ukraine. The U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken had earlier said the U.S. was keeping its doors open to peace talks. My job as a diplomat is to leave absolutely no stone unturned to see if we can prevent a war. And if there's anything that I can do to do that, I'm going to do it. President Biden has made very clear that he's prepared to meet President Putin at any time in any format if that can help prevent a war. Even if the die is cast, until it's settled, until we know that the tanks are rolling, the planes are flying, and the aggression has fully begun, we're going to do everything we can to prevent it. Australia has reopened its border to international travelers who are fully vaccinated against the coronavirus after nearly two years of closure. A government statement said the changes would ensure that the health of Australians were protected while securing economic recovery. More than 50 international flights are scheduled to arrive in the country today. Philippa Harrison, the Managing Director of Tourism Australia, was at Sydney's airport to greet travelers. Yeah, look, there is a long way to to come back to pre-COVID levels. There's no doubt about that. You know, we um, we expect that it's going to take a couple of years to get back to that. But you know what? This is a really great start. This is what the industry have been asking us for. You know, just give us our international guests back and we will take it from there. And so it's really exciting that this is happening right now. These travelers were among the first to arrive in Sydney this morning. My story is I live in Canada and uh, my parents live here, so I haven't been able to visit uh, for just, since just before COVID. So I'm coming back for a family visit. Oh, oh my gosh. How many times have we tried this? So many times. And the fact that you guys opened up just in time, literally like three days before the wedding, is unbelievable. So the moment it was announced, we booked it, came out here, and it's just unbelievably it's surreal. I don't know. I'm losing my mind right now. The first body has been recovered in the search for survivors after the Euroferry Olympia caught fire off the coast of Greece on Friday afternoon. Hopes were previously raised when one survivor was rescued from the burnt-out vessel's stern yesterday. Emergency services helped the 21-year-old Belarusian lawyer dr- lorry driver to safety from the record wreckage. He's receiving medical care in the island of Corfu. Leonidas Rumpatis is the head of the island's general hospital. 
This morning we had some very good news. A 21-year-old Belarusian citizen came to our hospital. He's in very good shape. He had medical examinations, he was rehydrated and went through additional tests. The information I received from the doctors is that he told them that he heard other voices. So we hope that there are other survivors and that they will come to the hospital too, so we can give them first aid. We hope they are okay. Turning to financial news, an international investigation by reporters into the banking giant Credit Suisse appears to show that its accounts held assets worth billions of dollars on behalf of clients with links to crime. The journalists obtained records from a whistleblower of 30,000 customer accounts. Credit Suisse says it strongly rejects the allegations. The BBC's Ben King reports. The New York Times reports that the bank held millions of dollars for heads of state, businessmen subject to sanctions and alleged human rights abusers from across the world, including Venezuela, Egypt and Jordan. The report says it continued to do business with some individuals even after bank officials raised doubts. Credit Suisse said the allegations were selective, historical and taken out of context. It said it was deeply aware of its responsibility to uphold the highest standards and called the allegations part of a concerted attempt to discredit it and Swiss banking in general. It says it has recently taken significant additional measures to combat financial crime. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 24,150. That's 177 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $69 billion. In currency, the U.S. dollar will buy you 114.94 yen. The euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 13 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 62 cents. In sports... The Winter Olympics in Beijing are officially over, with China taking third place in the medals table, the nation's best-ever performance. The national team pulled in nine golds, four silvers, four silvers and two bronzes. At a ceremony at the National Stadium, the head of the International Olympic Committee, Thomas Bach, announced the closing of the Games. Damon Pang has more. President Xi Jinping attended the closing ceremony as Mr. Bach declared the Games officially closed. They looked on as Beijing's mayor handed the Olympic flag over to the mayors of Milan and Cortina of Italy, where the next Winter Olympics will be held in four years' time. As the light of the cauldron's Olympic flame disappeared, so did the lights of a giant snowflake, displaying the names of the participating countries and regions. Now to football's English Premier League, where Manchester United are back in the top four. But Manchester United winning the ball back, and now the chance to finish it, and it is into the back of the net, and Anthony Alanga slots it away, and Manchester United, they're ruthless. That was the Swedish teenager Anthony Alanga scoring the last goal for Manchester United in a 4-2 win over Leeds United at Iland Road. The visitors blew a 2-0 halftime lead, but were eventually rescued by goals from substitutes Fred and Alanga. The Manchester United boss, Ralph Rangnick, was pleased with the resilience of his team. Obviously, you ask yourself as well, quite like the players, why all of a sudden 2-2? We were in full control of the game. But against a team like Leeds, who are very direct, very aggressive, very much a team that also plays 1-2 with their own supporters, this can happen in football. And as I said, the reaction today was amazing, and I'm proud of the boys, what they did after we conceded the two goals. Leeds fullback Luke Eileng felt his side were still in the game, even when 2-0 down. Now we had quality off the bench. The lads who came on they really added something, and yeah, we, we stuck at it. We knew even if it went till the last 10 minutes with a 2 0 deficit, we were always still in the game. You know, we, we proven we could score two goals in quick succession, but fortunately, I think, you know, just tired legs at the end. 
Wolverhampton Wanderers moved up to seventh in the table with a 2-0 win over Leicester City in Molyneux. Portuguese winger Daniel Porence got the winning goal. Wolves manager Bruno Laga says their victory came down to one thing. In football, there's no secret. It's hard work and teamwork, and I think that word is exactly when you can use for, for this game. It wasn't our best performance, but I think it was a good, a good performance on our side. Second half, it was also hard to play with wind and rain. So in the end, when you come to this period now, we have 40 points. We are happy with the work we are doing here. There has been some speculation over the future of Leicester boss Brendan Rodgers. The Irishman says he's been satisfied with his players' recent performances. The players have, have been much, much better and, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed for them today because they put so much into the game. Uh, but our football's returning, you can see that, speed of our game, triangles on the side of the pitch, arriving into good areas consistently, efforts on goal, but, uh, but just couldn't quite uh, get something that they deserve. In the Italian, Serie A, Inter missed the chance to go back to the top, losing 2-0 to mid-table Sassuolo. It means AC Milan remain on top for the moment, while Napoli can take the lead if they can get a win at Cagliari tonight. In Spain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scored a hat-trick in Barcelona's 4-1 win at Valencia. Second place, Sevilla, were held to a 1-1 draw by Espanyol. Third place, Real Betis beat Mallorca 2-1. Athletic Bilbao were 4-0 winners over Real Sociedad. Finally, two halves of a rare signed manuscript of lyrics by Jimi Hendrix have been pieced together after 55 years. The torn sheet was shared by two teenage girls who'd had it signed by Hendrix and his band after a gig in England in 1967. Here's the BBC's James Kelly. Fifty-first anniversary, the lyrics of which Jimi Hendrix jotted down in an exercise book. When two teenage girls asked for his autograph before a gig at the pavilion in Bath, the guitar legend had no other paper to hand, so tore the page out of the book. He ripped the song sheet in half, writing his signature on the back for each fan. His bandmates, Mitch Mitchell and Noel Redding, also signed. More than half a century later, a memorabilia store has managed to reunite the women and their scraps of paper and salvage a unique page in the annals of rock and roll history. And we'll finish up with the weather. It will be very cold, cloudy to overcast with rain. Rain will be more frequent at times. Moderate to fresh northerly winds, occasionally strong offshore and on high ground at first. Outlook, persistently cold in the next few days. Still rainy tomorrow, but the weather will improve on Wednesday afternoon. Mainly fine with temperatures rising progressively in the latter part of this week. The cold weather warning is in effect right now. The temperature is now 9 degrees Celsius with the relative humidity at 95%. And that's the news from RTHK. I was five and he was six. We rode on horses, made of sticks. He wore black and I wore white. He would always win the fight. Bang, bang. He shot me down. Bang, bang. I hit the ground. Bang, bang. That awful sound. Bang, bang. My baby shot me down. When I grew up, I called him mine He would always laugh and say Remember when we used to play Bang, bang, I shot you down Bang, bang, you hit the ground Bang, bang, that awful sound Bang, bang, I used to shoot you 
he's gone, I don't know why Until this day I sometimes cry He didn't even say goodbye He didn't take the time to lie Bang, bang, he shot me down Bang, bang, I hit the ground Bang, bang, that awful sound Bang, bang, my baby shot me down Welcome to the 123 Show with me, Sadia Usmani. Hope you have had a warm and safe weekend. On the show today after 1.30, we have another guest on lockdown. Today, Raymond Yap, CEO of Heroes 2 in Hong Kong, a charity that aims to promote sustainable and eco-friendly lifestyles by working with young people. He'll be choosing five items to pack in his suitcase for quarantine, including a book, an item of food, his favorite movie, and a track of music, and one extra item. After 2.30, Helga Van Thornot from Wealth of Flows Consulting goes on Trash Talk today to look back on the Hong Kong waste scene in the last few years with Marcy Trent Long. So that's all coming up between now and 3 o'clock, so I hope you're going to keep me company. Mali, 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 don't 